morning, I'm actually, I want to share a quote with you. I, I just took a picture of it on my phone um, from some research that was done um, by Kara Powell, who was a Ph.D. She works at a, at a university out in California. And uh, they, they surveyed a lot of churches. And how many of you would like for Brookhaven to still be a thriving church 10 years from now? 20 years from now, just raise your hand. 30 years from now, 40 years from now, 50 years from now. Okay. Uh, uh, raise your hand if you want Brookhaven to die. All right, we got that clear, all right? We got that clear. So what churches have to do is they have to uh, be very intentional about growing young, you might say. And they did some research, and I want to read just a quote. It says, for most congregations, uh, making the intentional decision to disproportionately prioritize young people in the context of their families is the inflection point between growing young and growing old as a church. So uh, the research shows that even disproportionately uh, prioritizing um, uh, ministry to kids and to young people is one of the most uh, essential uh, elements to, to keep a church thriving and growing for years to come. And so, uh, you know, there's a hashtag uh, on Facebook I see all the time, sorry, not sorry. I just want to say sorry, not sorry, uh, but we will continually at Brookhaven prioritize the ministry to the emerging generations that come after us, because if we do not, we will die. All right? Amen. Can I get an amen? Someone just tell me amen, all right? Amen. All right. From the youth pastor, that's awesome. That's awesome. So I'm not going to apologize. We are, we are going to be intentional about ministering to young people because it is absolutely what is essential for us to, to survive as a community of faith. The second thing I want to say is um, a few weeks ago I talked about the fact that we had this um, goal of reaching 60 people, 60 people this church year that do not yet know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Uh, our church year goes from um, May 1 to April the 30th, and so our goal was 60. Now, this is a pretty uh, audacious goal. Uh, last year, we had six. And uh, as pastor, I just want to be honest, I would love for that to have been different. Uh, but we had six people, and I'm very thankful for those six people who made first-time uh, commitments uh, to uh, follow Jesus Christ. Can I say, right now, uh, we're just a couple months in. We got three already, all right? Amen. So we're down to 57. All right, we're going we're gonna to celebrate today. We're celebrating today. We're down to 57, and so I'm so excited about that. And so thank you so much for, for being a part of it. Um, I really don't know how my illustration is going to work since I'm holding this bad boy, but we're going to figure this out. Uh, uh, I'm going to ask the question I think most of you know, or, or I know the answer um, to this question. How many of you have ever found something in uh, your house or in your garage that you forgot you had? Like, where did that come from? I didn't know I had that. Or you either forgot you had it or didn't even know you had it. Well, a few months ago, I don't know, maybe in a year or so ago, I, I came across uh, this in the church office, in the, the, my, my office. And um, I'm like, I'm not even sure what it was. It looked like something I could defend myself if I really needed to, like a paperweight. It's pretty heavy. And, uh, but what I discovered is that it is this official seal. It is the official stamp. You remember this, Pastor Bob? The official seal, the, the official stamp of Brookhaven Wesleyan Church. I didn't even know we had one. And uh, it, it says uh, Brookhaven Wesleyan Church, Marion, Indiana, uh, organized 
uh, March 1943. And so this is the official stamp. When I'm really bored at my office, I just stick paper in it and just do this all day long, you know. It's pretty fun, fun stuff right there. Um, and uh, we actually, I think we're going to be able to use it here in a little bit. Uh, I've just let the cat out of the bag a little bit. If for our missions conference in February, we're in the process of trying to recruit. We, all the Everything hasn't come through yet, but we're in the process of trying to recruit a, a pastor from another country to actually come and speak during our, our missions month. And uh, Nathan Metz is helping us, so you kind of know what country it's from. It's from Uganda, and uh, Nathan Metz is helping us. And, and so we had to write up a, a letter, and Nathan said, you know, if you had some sort of official seal – like, because we have to send an, an official invitation letter. They have to take it to their consulate and all that stuff. If you had some sort of official seal that you could sort of seal this letter with, it like gives it a whole lot more um, like influence. I'm like, voila, I have one. I never, I, I can use it now. And so uh, that may be happening. And um, it really shouldn't surprise us. I don't, I don't know if you've ever had anything notarized. I, I don't know if you've ever had any, ever, anything notarized. Uh, when we closed on our house, uh, the, we had a the closing agent had, was a notary, and we like she like notarized all kinds of stuff. And, and it used to be one of those like like crimping things, you know, but now it's just a like a big stamp. And so uh, we we have this stamping idea as part of our culture. I want you to hold those thoughts in your mind just for for a moment. Um, we just finished up a series on the Book of Acts. If you uh, remember, if you were here, we finished a series on the book of Acts. It was called The Launch. And we talked about how God was using the early church to, to launch this movement into history. And one of the things that was happening was not only was the events of Acts taking place, but uh, the missionaries like Paul and others, they were traveling around. And what they were establishing churches. And what they would do is they would uh, often write letters to these churches or to these leaders in these churches. And much of the New Testament is these letters that were written by the Apostle Paul and other Christian leaders to either churches or, or to groups of people. And one of the first letters that we think historians tell us that was written uh, was um, by the Apostle Paul, and it was the book of First Thessalonians. And then he, he wrote Second Thessalonians. And um, probably one of the first letters that Paul wrote, probably around 50 uh, A.D., 52 A.D. And so for the next five weeks, there's five uh, chapters in First Thessalonians. For the next five weeks, we are going to be looking at each one of these chapters individually uh, from First Thessalonians. And so uh, Erica did a great job of reading First Thessalonians 1 this, this morning. Elise read it in the first service. And so we're just going to dive into it, okay? I think there's some cool stuff in here. One of the things that I noticed from this first chapter of first thessalonians is that god has called us to be image bearers of who he is now let me tell you where 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 i got this in first thessalonians verse seven and it says and so you become a model to all the believers in macedonia and achaia uh the nlt i think translated uh model uh niv i think is an example it's usually model or example the way it's translated. But, but uh, I told you last week I'd like to dig around in the original language a little bit, poke a little bit, and see if there's something stuff that I'm not, we're not really getting in the translation. This word uh, that is translated example or model is this Greek word typos. Um, 
And I think we have a picture of the Greek, and then this is sort of the transliterated word, typos. What this word um, means is it's not just a model. It, is, it comes with this, this idea of an impression. Like when you strike something with force, like you, you leave this impression on it. And um, one of the things that jumped out to me as, uh, as a way to uh, kind of visualize this, if you'll bring this forward, um, my lovely assistant, Elise. Um, I don't know if you know this or not, but what they call this is a typewriter. Anybody remember a typewriter? Um, a typewriter, uh, like my mind was, Dave, moment, it was one of those blind moan, mind-blown moments for, uh, for, for me. The word typewriter, type, uh, is this striking of, of something to leave an emblem or an impression. So, like, if you remember back in the days, the typewriter, you push these little buttons, and these little things come forward, remember? It imprinted on the paper or on the ink and onto the paper, right? You remember how this works? All of you, who has never used a typewriter? Oh, my lands. Lucky you. I'm just saying computers are so much better. Um, and so uh, I got to thinking about that, this idea of the, the typewriter striking and leaving an impression. What, um, what Paul is saying is he is saying um, the image of God is being impressed upon your lives. Now, let's give it a little context. Let's go way back into Genesis chapter 1. Uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, uh, the Scripture says that God created them male and female. He created them in His image. And so in our image, in who we are, God created within us the image of God. The problem was is that sin really marred and damaged this image of God that had been stamped on our lives. Didn't totally destroy it, but it began to, it was marred, it was, it was damaged. And what Jesus, what Paul is saying is that um, you have become a model. In other words, God is stamping into you the very image and nature of God. Um, another way maybe to think about it was, it's, it's not just that he's restamping it. He's actually clearing the way, the things of our life that actually mar and diminish other people's ability to see the image of God in us. This image that, that has been stamped upon us, that has been marred, God is beginning to clear some of that away, and we actually begin to see the image of God in us more. As followers of Jesus Christ, one of the things that is happening, one of the things that should be happening, is that when um, the way we live our lives, people should be able to see the image of God stamped upon us in a way that reveals the very character and nature of who God is. Uh, a few years ago, uh, I, don't, I think it was eight or nine, uh, I, I took the youth group to Puerto Rico. And uh, one of the things that I discovered in Puerto Rico was this water meter. All right, Jeff, you'll, you'll recognize this water meter right here. Do we got it? Got a picture of it? It is a Ford meter box. Brad, you'll recognize it. A Ford meter box water meter from Wabash, Indiana in Puerto Rico. Jeff, you probably sold it to him. 
And on this water meter is this image that says Ford meter box. And everyone who sees it knows it's a Ford meter box water meter. It has been stamped on it. The question I have is, are we allowing this image of God that has been stamped in us, that God is is working to renew, to revive, are we truly allowing the image, the impression of, of Jesus Christ to be evident to everyone who sees us? As we are living our lives, as we um, are going to work, as we are going to school, as we, are, as we are shopping, is the image of God that God is stamping in us. Paul, writing in Thessalonians, says you are a model, you are an example. This word, is, you have been stamped with the image of God, and, and that image should be easily seen by everyone around us. Um, there's something else that um, in this passage of Scripture that I think uh, just really struck me in the same verse. And that is, uh, actually it was in verse 6. Verse 6 says, You have become imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcome the message in the midst of severe suffering with, with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. I, I was struck by this word, imitators. I, I looked it up. It is a similar uh, not exact translation, but similar to what we might understand as mimic. Now, when we think of the word mimic or imitation, we, we often think about that in a negative connotation, like, oh, it's just an imitation leather, or, or it's just a knockoff. But, but as they say, imitation is the highest form of flattery, right? And, um, and for when Paul is writing this letter, and he says, we have become imita- you have become imitators of us and of the Lord, we must understand that for, um, well, hold on. Did Jesus tell them to go and make disciples, right? Now, when he said go and make disciples, the very idea in a Jewish mind of making disciples was you would go and you would disciple someone to be like you. Not just to think like you. Not, not just to believe like you. You would actually disciple someone to go and act like you as well. This is the very idea of, of, of what it mean, meant to make a disciple. It was all inclusive. It was just not one or the other. And, and Paul, Jesus says, go and make disciples. He, he is saying, go and live a life worthy of being imitated. Did you hear that? Go and live a life worthy of being imitated. Imitated. Um, I think we we struggle with this a little bit because um, I'll just say it this way. I think sometimes we use it as a crutch. I'll just be honest. We say, well, don't get your eyes on me. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Because if we say, don't keep your eyes on me, keep your eyes on Jesus, it sort of frees us up not to have to worry so much about what what we're doing, and how people are seeing us. It's true. We should put our faith completely in Jesus, but, but we must live a life that is worthy of being imitated by others around us. 
So um, this week, um, uh, last, last Saturday, there was a, a new um, member of the Bi clan born, all right? Uh, unfortunately, I mean, fortunately, her name is not Bi. You can kind of dice that however you want to do it. But uh, isn't that adorable right there? Not Dave, no. That's not adorable. But, but that's my newest great-niece, Annabelle. And I was thinking about Annabelle. I, got, I saw her last night. I got to thinking about her. And you know what Annabelle does? She's absolutely adorable. But you know what she does? She sleeps, she eats, and she messes her diaper. She's adorable. Don't get me wrong. But she eats, she sleeps, and she messes her diaper. Uh, she doesn't know how to talk yet. Believe it or not, she's eight days old. She doesn't know how to talk yet. She, she doesn't know how to walk yet. She really doesn't know how to do a lot of the things. You know how she'll learn to talk? She'll learn to talk because she'll begin to imitate others around her that talk. Do you know how she'll learn to walk? She'll see other people walk. She'll, someone will help her walk. And she'll, she'll learn to walk. Um, she will learn so many things by imitation. Right now, all she does is sleep, eat, and mess her diaper. Can, can I say that we have people on all levels of the spiritual journey in this community of faith? Uh, all levels, both young and old alike. And they should. They should be able to look at our lives and imitate us. Paul the Apostle Paul was absolutely, um, he didn't pull any punches about this. He's writing a letter to the church at, at Corinth, and he says this, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. He, the Apostle Paul didn't even like try to hide it. Paul understood that as a follower of Jesus Christ, he had to live a life that was worth being imitated. And can I tell you, if you're here and you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, you must live a life worth being imitated. If you're a parent here, if you're a parent here and you have kids, um, you want your kids to see the value of spending time in God's Word and in prayer, then they better see you spending time in God's Word and prayer. If you're a parent here, and you want your kids to see the value of church, then they better see you valuing church. We can just go down the list. And can I say, um, the rest of you don't get a free pass if you don't have um, little kids. This morning, we had, I don't know, like 50 kids uh, on this platform. I don't even know how many. They are looking to imitate I cannot use as a crutch. Well, they should just keep their eyes on Jesus. I better be living my life where, I, where they can imitate me. Yes, they need to keep their faith in Jesus Christ. But the what? Man. Once again, don't tell Pastor John that. But once again, I'm challenging us. Is the life we're living worth imitating? 
when people look at our lives, when they see our attitudes, when, when they see our actions, when they see our interactions with business, when they see us, uh, talk to, when, when they see us talk to other people on the phone, um, do they, when they see our lives, do they say the impression of Jesus Christ is on them and there is no doubt about it? You know, there's an old leadership proverb that says, more is caught than taught. Right? More is caught than taught. And so, what are they catching from you? I have good news for you today. Now, the good news is that this is possible. This is even possible through the work of the Holy Spirit within our lives. This... this um, chapter that we read, 1 Thessalonians 1, um, Paul says, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with the power, with power and with the Holy Spirit in deep conviction. Uh, in, the, in the series on Acts, um, pretty close to the beginning, I talked about the fact that um, God's Spirit was at work, was evident in this group of people as they, uh, as they as God was launching them into, into, the, into the world, God's Spirit was upon them, and God's Spirit is upon us. Um, let, me, let me just tell you, whether you're a, a follower of Jesus Christ or you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, if, you are, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ and you have said, well, I, I just don't think I could live that Christian life because I, I just don't think I could do it, well, the answer is you're right. You're absolutely right. There's absolutely no way you can do it. It it is only through the power of God's Holy Spirit transforming you and changing you. If you're here and um, you're a follower of Jesus Christ, but there's some areas of your life that that if you were just real honest with me, you would say, I hope no one sees me like that. I I hope no one sees those interactions. I hope no one sees my attitude about that one thing. or and, and I just don't think I could ever change. You're right. But I am convinced through the transforming power of Jesus Christ and his spirit, um, you can live a life worth imitating. And you can bear in you the image of God. I... um. Everybody says, I, I may have said this before, I don't know. Everyone says, go leave your mark on the world. I said, that's crazy. My challenge to you is go leave God's mark on the world. Because his, his mark is so much bigger. It, it's so uh, more valuable. Sorry to bust your bubble. I'm not really concerned about you leaving your mark on the world. I am concerned that you leave God's mark on the world. So this week, my challenge for you is pretty simple. When you're interacting this week, I don't know where all of you are going to be. I bet some of you go to work. I bet some of you go to school. Some of you will probably be in you know, stores. When you go to work, what is the impression that people are seeing in you? It is my hope that anyone that is associated with Brookhaven Wesleyan Church, when people see you and they know you're associated with Brookhaven Wesleyan Church, 
or Christ for that matter. It is my hope and my prayer that the impression of Jesus Christ is on 